Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. All right, we have with us today Kelly Croy. He is Director of Innovation and Instruction at Port Clinton City Schools. And we are so happy to have you here with, uh, with us today, Kelly. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Sure thing. And I, I just want to point out that you also have a, a book out called Along Came a Leader. Uh, this is obviously a time that is an invitation and a challenge for leaders across the state of Ohio and beyond. And you have, a, you have a podcast out there, Wired Educator Podcast, and you've been recognized uh, with distinction by Apple, Google, and PBS. So we're just really happy to have you here today and get some insight from you about what's going on in the future of education. Well, it's an honor to be here. And, you know, education is, uh, like everything, been really disrupted by the current events of uh, COVID-19. And uh, the great thing about my recognition from Apple and, and Google is that I was honored for all the failures that I made. They recognize that failure is the pathway to success. And so I think a lot of educators uh, listening right now are really concerned about, am I doing it right? Am I doing it the right way? And my advice right out the gate is, yes, you are. Fail your way to success. Just try to make a difference in the life of someone else. Well, I'm sure that helps people feel better. But uh, as, uh, as educational leaders, as I'm sure you can understand this, they want to get it right. Uh, can you tell us some of the things that you're getting right over there at Port Clinton or some of the struggles that you're having and how you're working with those? Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, this came at us so quickly. And something that I recognize, the state of Ohio, I think, as a whole, politically and medically got right uh, with Dr. Acton and Governor DeWine was their ability to be connected with the medical field around the globe. And so uh, their network, uh, their professional learning network was so vast that they, they had an advantage right out of the gate that maybe some states or countries did not have. And so they were able to take uh, action. So first and foremost, I encourage educators to be connected with other educators from around the globe. Uh, our, our good friends in China and Europe have been uh, instructing remotely now for 10 weeks. And so here in Ohio, you know, we're just going on our third or fourth week, depending when your spring break was. And so there's a lot to be learned by someone who's doubled or, or tripled the, the time in there. But I think in for, first and foremost, we have to look at our willingness and ability to connect with our students. We cannot replicate what was going on in our classrooms. We need to connect with them. And that is the most important thing that we can do. Uh, we're humans are social animals. We love to be connected. We love to talk. I was thinking over the weekend, you know, why do people learn? Why do children want to learn? And uh, I think schools often lean on compliance to get learning to take place. And now by not having the student in their, in their room or in their buildings, compliance is gone. And so as educators, we have to look back and say, why do people learn? I think people want to learn for a lot of reasons. I think for curiosity. I think some understand that it can advance them personally. I think some of them, of them do it 
for enjoyment. I think uh, some do it for the praise and recognition from uh, educators and things like that. So outside of the compliant ways and grades and things like that, educators, I think we're looking at how can we make uh, education fun and, and appeal to those uh, more virtuous uh, roles of, of what instruction is all about. I also think uh, the, the heavy part for educators right now is the instruction side. They have to learn a new set of, of tools to use. Instruction is so much more important than just assigning a bunch of work. You know, we often hear uh, blizzard bags uh, being discussed. I read an article uh, yesterday about the Spanish flu, 1917. And, you know, we've been here before. Our education has been here before. Uh, reading about how Chicago put together printed materials and they had to have packets, I think. I forget what the number was, but it was X number of days. And they had to be able to, to mail those. They actually mailed them to students and things like that. And here we are 100 years later, a little over 100 years, we're caught off guard again. You know, we're really caught off guard. I hope we really learn our lesson this time and understand that from this point on, uh, and for always, there will always be a percentage of students who would benefit from remote learning. And so our classrooms, we want to teach 100% of the kids, or at least attempt to teach 100%. And so remote instruction is going to be uh, with us for a very long time. You know, if someone were to get on a speaker and announce tomorrow that we had to all clear, and we both know that's not going to happen, there would still be parents who would be nervous and cautious about sending their child back. And so when we are able to gradually get back into somewhat of a more normal future of education, there's going to be a percentage of our students who need to, to be taught remotely. Also think, so, so the heavy part is on uh, educators to focus on how can I instruct rather than just assign work. And I, I wanted to emphasize that. Um, I think this is a crucial time not only to collaborate with our peers across the world, but within our own school districts. You know, I taught seventh grade English for 26 years. Right now, it'd be a very important time for me to be communicating with my eighth grade teachers uh, and my sixth grade teachers to know about the students that are coming in and uh, their strengths and some areas that need to grow on, as well as letting the teachers ahead know this is, this is what you need to know about this particular student. So we've talked about differentiation for a very long time. It's not something that I really thought that I ever got right. But you get good at things when you have to get good at things, right? And so right now, I think we really have got to get good at personalizing our learning. Not what that means as a definition in an educational textbook, but what that means to you as an educator. What does it mean to, in your heart and soul to personalize your learning and to differentiate for each and every, every student? I think that's more important than what someone else says that it is. But I think we need to find it and emphasize it. Also, think collaborating with your colleagues is important because uh, you don't want to overassign and cause frustration on families. We have to be incredibly sensitive. You know, like I get online and I see some people using this this time to to achieve personally. They're writing a novel or they're they're doing ten thousand push-ups or you know they're training and doing all these amazing things and that's awesome. And it would be great if every individual could do that, right? This is a great time to get ahead. But there's some people who cope with this trauma differently. And so it's very hard for some students and some educators and some administrators to get out of bed. Their structure system has just been rocked. And we as educators have to be sensitive to that. And, you know, parents are, are, are tasked with a lot of the compliance part of the learning. And they're not trained for that. They don't have the practice or skills in it. 
So collaborating with our colleagues is very important. So I know what work you're assigning. I know what activities you're assigning. It might even be different um, content areas, but we need to know, you know, who's assigning what, uh, what kind of projects they're having. And I really think to integrate those best, you know, I've always been a big advocate of creation is more important than consumption. And, you know, we have devices that we're able to consume a lot of content. So just by assigning a lot of work doesn't mean learning's taking place. It just means there's a lot of activity taking place. But when a student creates, they use applications and software that allows them to synthesize what they believe they have learned and reflect on that. I think that's where our highest levels of, of DOK and, uh, and, and learning take place. I think also we have to, since our instruction has changed so much, we really have to redo assessment. You know, I had a conversation with a student or a teacher outside of my school district, one that was upset because uh, their old method of assessment just wasn't working because the students could Google the answers and things. And I was like, well, you know, we got to create some assessments that they can't Google the answers to. I said, I absolutely would. You know, if you were going to give me a test and it was going to have merit and value and, and I had access to look up those answers, of course I would, you know, I think you'd be almost foolish not to. We have to uh, assign assessments that allow students to create and demonstrate what they think they know, a more critical level. And I think that's hard for a lot of teachers. I think, I think they might get it right a couple times, but consistently to do that, uh, I think it's a lot harder. And, you know, they're trying to do a lot of things at one time. They're trying to learn skills, learn new tools, uh, do a lot of things differently. And so I think you got to have patience with yourself. So assessments really need to change. And we could have a whole hour's conversation just on that. I also think this is a very important time to document a lot of things. I think one of the biggest areas that teachers need to document is not necessarily grades. I've been in more conversations this past month about grades than I, I care to have for the rest of my life. But I think the most important area of documentation is who are we not hearing from? So there are some uh, students right now who... Uh, I, I fear in some districts are just being lost in the cracks. They, the, there are equity issues that they don't have internet access or, you know, their family may have just packed up and moved for job for the loss of a job. Or um, sadly, they might've been impacted for medical reasons and things like that. And so I think we really need to document who have we made contact with, who have we not heard from, and uh, pass that information along and find them, you know, find who we have not heard from and be very patient and understanding and assume the best. You know, if you were one of my students, Dr. Silverberg, and I didn't get an assignment or uh, something, I would assume the best. I would assume that uh, you really tried to get it in. I think that's where we're in. You know, we're, we're still mile three in a 26 mile race right now. And we have no idea what's around the, the corner. Here in Ohio, I think it's easy to uh, kind of relax a little bit because we're not being as impacted as heavily as some areas in the country or in the world, but we can't, you know, we, I think remote instruction and remote learning is going to be around for a very long time. And so document the conversations that you're having with administrators, your peers, parents, and students. And I think, uh, you know, final comment, I think we're doing uh, well at Port Clinton is, uh, you know, we're, we're using technology finally for the way that it really should have been used, you know, that creation over consumption to connect with students in a lot of different ways. And so there's a lot going on, but, you know, Port Clinton is not doing this by themselves. 
we are having constant meetings with uh, other school districts and other educational institutions throughout the world. And we're all exchanging ideas like never before. That is an advantage. And at times that can also be a detriment because it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose right now. Every educational company in the country is trying to encourage you to use their software or their uh, application or, you know, their program. And then you have that feeling of I'm not doing it right, which which we started with. When you see all the cool things uh, other teachers are doing on Pinterest and Facebook and, and Twitter and things like that. You got to be forgiving of yourself and go to bed every night knowing that you did your best, that you impacted a life, feel good about it. You want to be adventurous and try new things. But I think the bottom line is education has changed and we have to embrace that change and it's going to keep changing. That's uh, innovation's greatest challenge is that people have always become too comfortable with the method that they are doing things. And uh, when a new idea comes up, people are skeptical because their old idea worked for a really long time. And that's just some of the things I wanted to share with you. So do you think we're ever going back? Well, we're never going back. Even if COVID-19 hadn't shown up, education was evolving. Uh, I think in a lot of positive ways, uh, that's a horrible thing to say uh, when you're faced with a pandemic. But if you had to find some silver linings or some positive things to focus on, I think this pandemic in terms of education is making us really look at some things that we had always had on the back burner. You know, like I was in a meeting with one of our teachers this morning and one of the tools that she really liked using with her math class, which I was really surprised was Flipgrid and Flipgrid allows students to record a short video response to a teacher's video response. And so I asked her to explain to me how she was using that. And her, her quote was, you know, it's something I've wanted to do for a really long time, but I just never got around to doing. And she found the tool on her own. I think that's what hard times do, right? They, they kind of push you towards the change you already knew that you needed to make. I don't think anyone was ever really against technology and, and education, but there was always this, you know, searching for the why and searching for the time for professional learning. I think what we found out, we don't really need professional learning, right? <laughs> you just need to jump in. You need to jump in the deep end uh, with both feet, uh, if you know how to tread water, and start uh, trying things. And then as you're building, uh, ask questions from other educators. I think also right now, one of the great things is educators now more than never before have been more open to new ideas. I think the sometimes the naysayers and critics would band together. And I think now everybody is, realizes, you know, we need to make a difference in the lives of other people. Technology really is a good tool that can help us do that. But it's also emphasized just the importance of what an educator is that it cannot replace. And while, you know, technology is good for remote learning and instruction, our students are getting tired of Zoom calls and they're getting tired of typed feedback. They want to hear, you know, the inflection in a teacher's voice, things like that. They want to get a sticker on their paper <laughs> or a high five or, or things like that. Um, Are you getting choked up, Kelly? Yeah, I am. Can you tell us about that? I'll try. I'm a big guy with a little soft heart. So I was invited to 17 different Zoom calls today. 
And believe it or not, I, I visited for a few minutes all of them. The number one phrase that I heard today from our teachers was, they miss their kids. That was it. It wasn't uh, our Wi-Fi is slow or kids aren't turning in work or, you know, this parent complained or that. The, the most reoccurring phrase I heard again and again and again was, I miss our kids. And that's pretty awesome. Well, I think a lot of us in education feel what you're feeling right now. This is so such a challenging time and so moving to see what it brings out in people as far as connectivity with a capital C, right? Absolutely. Really connects us in all the right ways. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thought about uh, the digital divide. What, do, what are your thoughts about that? And I know that, as you mentioned earlier in your talk today, there are areas of the state that are still struggling with that and some families and districts where that's a real challenge. Do you have any thoughts about that? Sure. Well, I'm not a sociologist or a, a attorney or a politician or anything like that, but it's interesting. A few weeks ago on the presidential election side, we were debating the importance of universal health care. And now that seems to be pretty much understood need for everybody. I think there are some issues like that in education as well. I really think regardless of what school district you're in, that communities have a obligation to provide connectivity to their students. Now, when I say that, I realize in the short term, there is some really major challenges right now for that. But uh, we've looked at installing, you know, hotspots, Wi-Fi hotspots onto school buses and parking them strategically in different parts of the community. Uh, We have mapped the free Wi-Fi hotspots throughout the the town and provided that in newsletters and on our website, things like that. But at the end of the day, there's still students who do not have access. They live so remotely, they don't have access to it. I think as we move forward, um, that just needs to be something that uh, one of the first things that we check. I'm really proud of how our school is providing uh, lunches for our students. The numbers that we have provided through this time and uh, our department that's doing that has just been amazing. I think the, with the digital divide, uh, we have the same issues, that in the future, we will always need to provide that and know who does not and maybe send home internet hotspot to take home because it really does make a difference. It really, truly does. In the short term, we can supplement some of that with paper materials and printed materials and, and things. Uh, I'm proud that our district was able to send a device home to every, every child. They can work offline or online. There's a lot of positive there. Well, thank you for sharing your insights today on these many topics, Kelly. For anybody that wants to follow up with you to get more information, to get advice or feedback, you know, I'd love for you able to uh, offer some contact information. Uh, there may be some administrators that have been doing this job for a long time and feel like, oh my gosh, I've never dealt with this before. And we probably have some administrators out there, educational leaders who are at the very beginnings of their career in that area and, and would love to reach out uh, to you as well. So is there anything you can offer for connectivity on, on that end? Sure. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I have two Twitter handles, uh, Kelly Croy and Wired Educator. And uh, I have two websites, Kelly Croy and Wired Educator. You can go to both of those. I love to respond to people's emails and I love to uh, talk to people on the phone. I think as far as leadership goes, uh, the two greatest important areas of leadership are to uh, provide clarity and direction in a time of crisis. And so uh, don't second guess yourself. Just try to provide clarity and, and direction and do your best. 
Well, thank you, Cal. You know, I know the title of your book is Along Came a Leader, and today you've definitely embodied that for us. So we really appreciate you for taking that time and, and coming along this path with us. Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor, and I wish everybody uh, great success, good health. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.